Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Season's greetings. We are past Christmas Day games and we are on to New Year's. Going to ring in 2022 with Keeping It 94. Your favorite podcast for NBA and basketball. All alike. Took a little break for the holidays, but now we're back. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz, here to bring you another episode, courtesy of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Brian, what did Santa bring you? I got some nice shirts. I uh, got some uh, some caramel popcorn, which I very much enjoy. So I, I got some good stuff. When it comes to... Uh, uh, my favorite team. Uh, let's say, oh, I got a Bears win. Not that that really matters in the NFL. Nick Foles, Super Bowl winning oh quarterback, goodness. Nick Foles, with a dime and an amazing catch by Damier Bird. That was great. What a play. But um, let's see, when it comes to my favorite NBA team, um, not so good. Uh, and I apologize, but for your NFL team, not so good either. Wah, wah. Below that, 500. Yeah. That two was a, games, two games to go. Got to win the division or else you're out. Uh, your me. Cleveland That's Browns and uh, my LA Lakers, both under 500. <sighs> yeah. So we've got a little bit to talk about this week uh, as we, like I said, head into the new year. Lots and lots and lots of COVID protocols, guys going in, guys coming out. Spencer, um, name the one team right is- now in the NBA that has not been affected by COVID protocols when it comes to somebody entering health and safety. Name one. Name the only one that has not been affected. I believe there's only been one team not affected. Oh, uh, oh, I haven't seen any Blazers. Is it Blazers? No. Unless I'm wrong, but I know I know of one team in particular where the entire team is vaccinated. I do not believe they have been affected by NBA uh, health and protocol and safety protocol. Oh, I feel like doggone near all of them have been. Um, all right, give it to me before I stall any longer. The Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz. Okay. Wow, that was the same case last year. Last year, I don't think they lost anybody for a significant amount of time. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, but- they've, been, they've been super careful about it. Everybody was vaccinated, like I said. And, and the thing is, too, 
when it comes to the Jazz and it comes to some other teams, there could be a situation um, because they've all been vaccinated and nobody showed any symptoms that maybe somebody was positive, but because they didn't have any symptoms and because they were not vaccinated or because they were vaccinated, they didn't have to test. Now, that's changed now in the NBA because now they're going back to daily testing. They are going back to daily testing and they've also cut down the amount of time um, for those that uh, are asymptomatic to return within six days instead of that 10 days, I think now. And also uh, the CDC changed the ruling from 10 days to five days as well, um, just in general for the, the population. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Should we start playing some medical music, you know, during the beginning of the podcast? I feel like everybody is like an amateur you know, epidemiologist now. Or We're going to start playing the house theme song. I we could play that. house. We could play ER. Um, if you want to go way back, we could play Quincy, um, you know, whichever you like. Quincy's a little too old for me, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> but I know what it is. So we'll talk about the, the COVID protocols and uh, basically everything that's come of it, uh, whether team effect, uh, returns of veteran players, a little bit of nostalgia for everybody. Um, and we'll get Greg into- Monroe is back, everybody. Monroe Damn time. right he is. Damn right he is. I say we'll get it. We'll get into that. Uh, we'll also talk about the Bulls. They've won four straight and uh, they look like they're clicking on all cylinders. They've basically gotten through the worst uh, of their health and safety protocol situations. Lonzo Ball still there. Billy Donovan's still there, but they do have Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan and Nicole Vucevic, uh, which is pretty much their 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 main core. Um, you know, I, I will want to highlight some guys that are getting some shine uh, because of this. Uh, health and safety protocol situation where whether it's guys from the G league or whether it's guys from, you know, the, the end of the bench who are getting significant minutes as this is going on and showing out. I, I appreciate that. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the Grizzlies. They've been rolling. They just won a tight one uh, over the Suns in Phoenix on uh on Monday night. And that was a really good game. Uh, Joel Embiid, some other guys that I like to talk to. And I know that uh, Brian wanted to talk to me about the Cavs. We just got the news as we were recording this podcast that uh, Darius Garland will be entering health and safety protocols uh, per the team, and uh, he won't be playing against New Orleans. I'm guessing he'll be out for a little bit now, uh, but the team did just get Evan Mobley back. Um, the Nets, they've cleared protocols with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and LaMarcus Aldridge. So, like I said, guys are coming back. Guys are going in. This is going to be pretty much the norm for the next few weeks, I would assume, and then once they've barreled through that, it's probably going to be, you know, end of January, early February, where teams will probably be back at pretty much full strength. Um, and then before you know it, we'll have the trade deadline and the uh, all-star game in Cleveland. But uh, how difficult is that going to be right now when it comes to, it's already hard enough for teams to, you know, look at their roster, make a semblance of, of everything. And especially when you're talking about, you know, the effect that it has on every team and how important, you know, so many different games are when it comes to playoff seating. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you mentioned, you know, the trade deadline coming up, you know, in early February, it's not that far away. And it's kind of tough, you know, to look at 
what are my needs going to be and who's going to be available and what are we going to be able to do and different things like this. I mean, the NBA has already had to be very flexible when it comes to dealing with hardship players and dealing with the salary cap and luxury tax and all that. And then now you've got, you know, the trade deadline that's coming up. I mean, scouts are already taxed so much right now and trying to figure out which G league player they want to bring in or, which player from whatever where they're wherever they're at, um, even off the street that they want to bring in, and then you've got the trade deadline like six weeks from now or whatever it is. So I mean, uh, there's there's guys working uh, overtime, you know, when it comes to the scouting departments. No doubt, no doubt, and it's it's crazy because the G League showcase was going on as soon as this stuff pretty much started popping up league wide. And so they were just basically hemorrhaging the G League rosters and just transferring them over to the other teams. And it's crazy because, you know, those G League teams ended up having to find bodies as well. And they had to go to their own player pool and replace those guys. So uh, it's just a bunch of kind of moving pieces, parts. Uh, As you have mentioned here on our our little outline, um, there's over 70 guys that have been signed to hardship contracts, 10-day contracts. Um, and it's and, great for uh, some guys about, to get an opportunity yeah. and get showcased, but it's it, it's tough for NBA teams, and it's tough to – there, there's no chemistry. I mean, yeah, I mean, look at some of these guys. I mean, who, who was the other night? People were like, I don't even know who that guy is. Like, And, I, and, and I'm somebody who's uh, – listen, I'm somebody who pays attention to the G League, pays attention to these guys that are overseas, and whoever comes into the fold, and I do some research on them just because I want to know who these guys are. I like I like reading about new talents. When it happened in droves this way, I'm looking at rosters and I'm like, I, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. I've seen that name pop up before, but I haven't seen him play. It, it's really hard to keep up with. And there's some fun in that because, I mean, yeah, they're not stars, but there's a little bit of mystery when you watch some of these guys suit up and you want to see what they're capable of and what they're doing. But as we were mentioning before we started recording... This is going to affect records. This like one to one and a half month period uh, when teams are not at full strength or, or there's a handful of teams that are not at full strength. It's going to affect records and that's going to show up at the end of the season. And that's pretty, pretty crucial. Um, you know, you, we asterisk Twitter, Twitter loves it. You know, they're just waiting to, to crown somebody the, the quote unquote Mickey Mouse champion or, or a team uh, that didn't deserve it and earn it the whole way or something like that. You know, that ridiculousness is coming, but I think that uh, there's a real intriguing aspect about this. It's, it's admittedly kind of disappointing to, to see that they've just kind of barreled through in a way. Um, but looking at the bright side, being the optimist that I am, um, Kelsey O'Brien's going to write an article for the uh, basketball news about this though. Um, the guys that have worked tirelessly year after year after year, toiling away in the G league and whatnot for them to get this opportunity. It's really cool. And it, and also the aspect of seeing our nostalgic players come back guys. Like you mentioned them already, Greg Monroe, seeing Joe Johnson hit an isolation bucket in garbage time against the Cavs was awesome. You know, we saw it play for the Lakers. I know he didn't get the second day, two to 10 day contract, but he had at least a couple of moments with them 
you you have all of these vets. Darren Collison, who just signed with the Lakers. Uh, Lance Stevenson, as everybody knows, you know, born ready is like guys like this are popping up now. And you're just like, oh, this is kind of cool. Uh, he's not in the NBA, but Kenneth Reed just entered the G League roster pool. So these are all, these are all, um, you know, kind of cool things that are coming out of this uh, when you don't look at the doom and gloom part of it. Can you imagine, and there's plenty of stories like this because teams are having to play with so many different hardship players right now. And they're literally meeting these guys like an hour or two before a game sometimes. And like there's teams that are going out there on the court before a game while both teams are on the court practicing. And the coach is like, all right, let's go over a couple of plays for tonight because, and that's the only, because there's no practice time in between. This no. is the only time that they're getting to integrate these guys. I mean, there's so many different stories about like guys saying, yeah, I played with this guy tonight, man. He was really balling. I don't know who he is. I've no, I, I don't even know this dude's name yet. Well, I just played a basketball game with him, like a professional NBA game with this guy. And there's a lot of stories like that. I mean, look over the weekend. I think it was over the weekend um, when the, the Raptors traveled to Chicago. They had six players on the plane from the regular roster. Six. Six. I mean, six. It, it's, it's wait, nuts. waiting at wait, just taxiing around, waiting for these replacements. Right. Cast. And like, there's how many teams are having to play with only eight players. Eight, I mean, eight's the minimum, but still eight players. You know, it's, it is insane, but the NBA has made the decision that we're going to tough it out. Like they feel like everybody's going through this, you know? So it's not like an unfair advantage for anybody. There's, I mean, like I said, the jazz have not been affected and they've taken advantage of it, but I mean, the jazz are a good team anyway. So Salt Lake City is going to come right after you. The first, the first time somebody gets put in the health and safety protocols, they're going to look at keeping well, it. It's not my fault. They're testing. I mean, everybody's been asymptomatic <laughs> if they've had it, at least, you know, right. so now they're testing, right. you know, every day, but Hey, you know, the jazz are a good team. So they might've won those games, you know, anyway, but, uh, it's just weird to see all this. And hopefully, like you said, like by the time, you know, the end of January comes around, the teams can have a semblance of being normal, being whole again. And, but it is strange to try to keep up with teams that going, okay, is, is this player back? Are they not back? Okay. Now this player's gone or, you know, even for like an average fan that wants to see star power, you're not getting that in some cases right now in the NBA, or, you, or you're not getting all the star power that you would expect on a team. So it's very up and down. It's kind of weird. You know, the NBA got through Christmas, and we'll see if they can get through this period. They're, they're not the only league that's going through this, obviously. The NHL, they actually pause their league for two weeks. The, the NFL has put their head down, and they're like, doesn't matter. We're going to go with it. I mean, look at a team like the Saints that played on Monday night. They're basically playing their fourth string quarterback who made his NFL debut as a rookie, you know, and then they got pounded by the Dolphins in a horrible, book, horrible game. Um, <laughs> but Orion book. I, I had a friend of mine who was playing. The, I, this is a true story. A friend of mine was playing in fantasy football. He was down by 20 points. And he had the Dolphins D and the guy on the other team, the guy on the other team had, um, oh, he had Devontae Parker of yeah. the Dolphins. And he's sitting going, ah, there's no chance I'm going to win. Parker did nothing. And the Dolphins defense got him 30. Thanks. He was my captain in one of my uh, daily fantasy games. So I appreciate I gave, that little nugget. I gave him the line from Die Hard. I go, because remember in Die Hard where they say, 
You wanted a miracle? I give you the F-B-I. And I told my friend, I go, you wanted a miracle? I give you I-A-N. Ian Book. <laughs> and so oh, Ian. I feel bad for the kid. I mean, he got thrown into a horrible, horrible situation. Right. You know, and it's, you know, that's that's what goes on right now. And that's a and prime it, example, though. It's all, it's all around sports right now. It's all yeah. around sports right now, no matter what league you're in. And obviously the MLB isn't playing, but uh, yeah. it, it, it's affected, you know, it, it's, it, it's widespread. That's pretty much it. It is. And, you know, hopefully nobody gets, you know, really sick from this. They can keep playing. But uh, I am going to be curious to see what kind of effect this does have when it comes to, like, playoff seating or does this maybe even, you know, cost a team for getting into the play-in tournament. Or did, so it's going to have an effect. It, it definitely is. No doubt. No doubt. And and somebody that you, you mentioned this, this anecdote earlier, uh, the person who said, I don't even know who I play with tonight, but he's pretty good. That was Greg Monroe talking about Jalen Noel. Yes. And uh, Jalen Noel had 29 against uh, Boston in a win um, at home on Monday night. Went 10 of 18 from the field, six of nine from threes. Not, he doesn't really shoot too many threes, but when he does, he makes them. Um, he's above, you know what the weird thing know, about Greg Monroe was? Monroe struggled. He was struggling in the G League, but he gets the call up, and he had a really good game for the Wolves. Yeah, no, he did. It was like 11 points, I think six assists and nine rebounds off the Something bench. Something like that, yeah. I'm like, good for him. It was great, and he looked sharp. That's the best part, I think, about you know seeing the nostalgia acts, the nostalgia acts that show that they can still play. And there's going to be a couple guys that do, you know, get to stay. You mentioned, you know, Isaiah Thomas, who did not get a second 10 day for the Lakers. And, you know, the first two games he played there, he played really good. He did not play as well in the next two games. But, you know, there's multiple teams that are interested in him. I'm sure he's going to get another 10 day and, you know, maybe he'll catch on, you know, somewhere. Um, You know, Stanley Johnson is a guy the Lakers got and he's looked pretty good. So, you know, they might have a decision to make when it comes to, are we going to keep this guy around and how do we make room for him on the roster? And there's going to be some, a couple other, you know, guys that are going to get opportunities. That's not going to be a lot because for the most part, these guys are just going to be like, you know, you're here temporarily, but you know what? You get that opportunity. You never know what could happen. You never know. And that's the, that's the fun of it. Um, I, I think, by the way, uh, not just Jalen Noel, the Wolves in general, they're just pretty mentally tough team right now. They're still hovering around that 500 mark. They didn't have Anthony Edwards, you know, the last, you know, four or five games. They didn't have Carl Anthony Towns, who unfortunately is back into those protocols, uh, you know, obviously knowing, you know, how that's rocked him and his his world. But um, the, as far as the team goes, it's it's kind of fun watching these, these Wolves because they're just mentally tough. And I, I think that, uh, I, I laughed because someone said, you know, everyone's talking about J.B. Bickerstaff for coach of the year, but what about Patrick Beverly? <laughs> uh, Patrick Beverly uh, just kind of has these guys, um, you know, believing in themselves and you're getting contributions all around. Again, no matter who's on the floor. Uh, one of their recent pickups, one of my favorite guys for the Hawks when he was on a two-way contract, he's on two-way contract with the, the Wolves now, Nathan Knight. I, I still think that there's a, a spot uh, for this guy in the rotation at some point. He's just so physical. He's so uh, powerful um, when he's on the floor. Uh, defensively, he, he brings a lot of fun, uh, blocking shots, you know, contesting. But uh, really, I mean, he just imposes as well. So that's just another 
another guy on the Wolves that I that I like. I know he's probably buried on the the bench with you know they have Nas Reed, they have Carl Anthony Towns, they have Jared Vanderbilt and Jaden McDaniels. But I really like, really 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 like uh, Nathan Knight. And but but in general for the team itself, I just I think that. Pat Bev has just kind of brought his leadership there. And then again, this shows the importance of a veteran on a team that's growing in this, this fashion. You see it over in Cleveland as well. Um, just taking that mantle and uh, you know, uh, you can talk about what Pat Bev brings on the court. You know, he's obviously not uh, the, the craziest uh, contributor on the offensive end. You know, he's going to bring in a defensive effort every night, but the value that is not seen uh, is being felt by the Wolves right now, I think, and Pat. Who is the more, I hate this player unless he's on my team guy in the NBA right now. <laughs> is it Patrick Beverly or Draymond Green? Oh, that's that's tough. That's tough because there's always those types. You know, uh, the, the, the Cavs had Anderson Verjao, uh as one of those guys. The Bulls had Joakim Noah. I you love know, Andy Verjao. Like, I, I love Verjao. You know, like there's some people that just not a lot that, that that just get under your skin. You know, the 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 delis of the world. You yeah, know, the I, I can was in. Yeah. Like, I can appreciate Draymond a little bit more though. Pat, TJ McConnell. You know, yeah, like yeah, Pat Bev. Just those nuisances. He gets under my skin because he does so much of the clapping in a guy's face, and there's like all this extra stuff, and then like. At least Draymond will go out there and he'll back it up with a defensive play. And I think Pat, Marcus Smart's another one of those types. Yeah. Like Pat Bev will hit one three and he'll think that like <laughs> he's like he's the you know the best three point shooter in the league. And then like and then he'll airball the next one. Like not even close. <laughs> you know that's that's just kind of the, the, that's the his way personality, that he's driven though. though. And, you know, I, I've heard stories about Pat Bev just being such a, a, a smack talker and they're great because like, no matter if he's, you know, playing extremely well or if he's not playing extremely well, he's going to bring the same, same confidence, that same undeterred attitude every single night. And I mean, I think that the, the wolves, the young wolves have just kind of taken his lead in that way. And, uh, you know, you look at it, 8.7 points per game, shooting only 32% from deep. But you look at the impact outside of that, and it matters. I I, th I really do think it matters. Well, that personality can wear thin on you after a while. And I thought I wore thin on everybody with the Clippers, but it was a little bit more of a veteran team. And then he goes to a team that's younger that maybe needs that a little bit more with with the Wolves, and I think it's a better fit there. At least it has been so far. I mean, and we, we've seen this point. It's I mean, look at this when it comes to coaching, Okay. Because people talk about like how hard Tibbs runs his teams. You know, we saw that. And at first, there's a great effect, you know, and they can turn things around. We saw that last year with the Knicks. But this year, you know, with the for mostly the same roster, not having that kind of effect. And the Knicks are struggling because maybe it wears a little bit thin on you when it comes to some of the stuff that he does. Plus, on top of that, you know, when it comes to that Knicks roster, they overachieved last year and they weren't able to, they haven't been able to duplicate that so far this year. They did. They did. Um, and it's 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 tough for the Knicks right now. But hey, good on Kemba Walker, Eastern Conference Player of the Week after being shot out of the rotation. Um, so that that's pretty good for Kemba. And he randomly dropped forty four in one of those games. Right. And, and uh, for for the Knicks, if he if if Tibbs insists and says we still don't have a place for him, even when Derrick Rose comes back because he got injured. Yeah. I mean, Kemba now has trade value around the league. For I mean, obviously there are 
huge defensive deficiencies for him, but I think they could get something for Kemba. Not not anything huge, but I mean, I mean, Kemba has proved he can play, and and players around the league definitely support him. There was a I, lot I, of love being thrown around for Kemba. Are you looking over at uh, your beloved Lakers as one of those places? Oh hell no, man! They can't. They already can't defend. What do they need Kemba for? May as well just go all in on the offensive end. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> well, you know what the weird thing was? Like the Lakers were horrible defensively. Then they started playing hard and they got the what like 12th, 13th in the league. And then they've fallen off a cliff again. Yeah. No. And I mean, I think this is a good way to transition into you with your Lakers soliloquies. Um, so I'll, I'll just give you the floor. I'll just real quick. I will say uh, it's been fun watching jump shot. James jump shot. James is a, is a fun player to watch, especially because he's just knocking down mid rangers, knocking down threes. Um, you know, trying to put it on the floor here a little bit more, a little bit more, but he's been playing off the ball. It probably needs to change. Um, but uh, I'll I'll leave that to you. But I thought they were playing okay, and then you know Christmas Day happened, and they were playing half the Nets, and they 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 dropped that one. Well, they've they've dropped five in a row now, and they're below five hundred. And I know that they don't have Anthony Davis. He's going to be out for at least a month with with the the sprained uh, knee ligament. And LeBron has played great, you know, as of late. And he's playing a lot of minutes at center, too. I mean, they finally have given up on the DeAndre Jordan project, which was awful to begin with, as most people do. But, you know, the, there, there's so many different problems with that team and that, you know, even when AD was playing, you know, he was not the normal guy that we're used to seeing, you know, on a night-to-night basis. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, you know, his jump shot wasn't there and some other things just didn't look right when it came to him. And you've got the whole issue of chemistry on this team with all these different parts and especially with Russell Westbrook, who for a little while there, Russell's playing great, but it hasn't translated into wins. And he had a debacle of a game on Christmas where the Lakers had that huge comeback in the fourth quarter after being down 20 and he couldn't hit a layup. And Russ is, you know, just, he's not a clutch guy. And it's, Russ is a good player, but the problem with Russ is was the two main problems to me are one, he typically does not come through in the clutch. And the other thing is he will not change his game. No matter what that team needs, he's in a position right now where he's around other guys, especially with LeBron and, you know, if AD gets back and he's healthy to where Russ could change his game a little bit to suit what this team needs. And he will not do it, especially on the defensive side. That's where more of his focus should be. He refuses to do that. And he got eviscerated for that after the Christmas day game of leaving his guy wide open so many different times, you know, when, you know, he's just giving up open shot after open shot to Patty Mills or whoever he's defending. And, and that is a massive problem. And people keep talking about like, well, okay. So the Lakers are going to make some moves here. With what? This is the other problem with making the rust trade is that you gave up all your flexibility when it came to trades. You gave up three guys who made anywhere between like 10 to $15 million to get one guy on a huge salary. And now the only guy that you have that makes $10 million is Taylor Horton Tucker. And you can't tell me that, you know, that was the decision they made. They were going to keep him and they let a guy like Alex Caruso go. And I'm not saying Caruso would have been a, you know, this team would be totally different with him. They'd be better with him because he's what they need. 
But that was the decision that they made. And they're in a win-now mode because of LeBron James and his age and having Anthony Davis, and then if, whether they had Russell Westbrook or not. But that's the decision they made. They said, let's go with the younger guy that's still probably a year or two away, but we're hoping it progresses quicker. And THT, let's, let's stay with him instead of the guy who's already you know, proven to play well with those guys and was a rotation guy with Alex Caruso. Is there any motivation you think? Actually, before I get to that, I, I did see a, a, a note on Twitter that I thought was interesting. It was like, Russell Westbrook, he plays his ass off. He always goes 120%, but it's it's so rare to see somebody that plays to that level and has that kind of aggression and that drive fall asleep so often on defense. Like that, it's amazing. That it's it's such a in enigma in a way. He, he drifts so far off his guys and it's and the thing is because of who he's defending, it's shooters. Yeah. This guy's getting wide open corner looks and, and whatnot. And I'm like, why are you drifting off this guy so far? It's it's very, very frustrating to and, watch. And, you know, back to the point I was going to bring up before I said that. Uh, so you look at, like, similar contracts around the league. I look at one guy, and I don't know how they would make it work, but there is John Wall over in Houston. Is there any semblance or any possibility that one, Houston would listen, <laughs> and two, like, would they be able to make that work? That's literally the one name, the one name that keeps popping up in my head is John Wall. I just and can't that, see it. it. I mean, Houston's already been through that experience. I don't think they want to go through it again. What What does Wall have left? Does he have two years after this? Or Gotta look up one? his contract. Yes. But regardless, I mean... I think from a Lakers standpoint, when they look at this, when I looked at, you know, this was a decision they made. What's, you know, LeBron said we can make this work. And then he convinced ownership and the front office, hey, we can make this work because they had other options. The Buddy Heald trade at that moment. Remember, there was talk the Buddy Heald trade was going down and then suddenly, nope, they're trading for Russ. And we saw that, you know, blow by blow, story of where DeMar DeRozan really thought that he was going to be a Laker as well. So they had other options that were out there, but they went yeah. with Russ and they said, we will make this work. So I just can't imagine them going back on this now and now telling, Hey Russ, I know you're excited to come back home and be a Laker. We're going to ship you off in the no man's land somewhere. Okay. John Wall making 44.3 mil this year. He has a player option next year for 47.36. I'm going to assume he's going to opt into that. Just Same with guess. Russ, because Russ has a player option for next year as well. I believe it is. And I'm going to make I, I'm a, just spitballing because I'm just, I'm just thinking, I know that they're, I don't want to say they're going to get impatient, but they're going to know that it's not working at some point. And they're going to change, they're going to either change a role, they're going to change Russ's role. They're going to put the ball more in LeBron's hands, I'm guessing. Um, that was the whole reason why they went and got Russ. Because they didn't want the ball in LeBron's hands as much as he got older. I'm like, it, yeah. it, it's the same thing that they even did the year before when they wouldn't get Schroeder. It's just like, you've got LeBron James. This is not going to change, man. It's not going to work. It's just not going to change. Got to surround him with shooters. It's the and, only and, way it works. You know, people are saying like, well, if you took THT and you took Kendrick Nunn, you know, that that's $15 million. The Lakers don't have a first round pick until 2027. It's just like, okay, do they want to do something during the season? they really think is going to help them now? Because to me, I would sit there and go, we are what we are. 
let's just wait to the off season and see if there is something out there for Russ who will be in his final year. Um, let's see if there's teams that are more interested in THT who won't have one year left on his deal after that, you know, things like that. It might, at this point, they might as well, they, they might just be in a better spot to just say, Hey, why are we going to give up more, you know, capital down the line <laughs> when it comes to a, you know, see what you will. It's, it's a 2027 pick. Who knows what that team's going to be like. And that draft pick's going to be like, you know, that year, do they really want to give up more of that now for a team that's already put itself in a bad hole. And I don't know if, if there's a way out. Yeah, it's tough. And you kind of have to internally figure it out. <laughs> like it that's, that's literally good. what your option is right now. It's like, hey, guys, you, what's your option? Play better. That's it. Oh, and by the way, the Lakers have had one of the easiest schedules in all of the NBA so far. Their schedule is only going to get tougher. They've got a yep. lot of road games coming up, especially in January. They always have the big, long road trip. So, you know, you know, the, the answers are within. I mean, that if they're going to be better, I mean, the, the only saving grace for them is they play in the Western Conference and the West yeah, stinks. and that's the waste. Of the, how about it? The Eastern Conference no more. How about this? Look at, look at all these under 500 teams that are in the playoff picture right now. Look at that. It's pretty ugly. Say the East, the East is definitely, uh, you know, patting itself on the back. Right like now. once once you get past the Memphis Grizzlies, who are on a hellacious run, yes, it's like it falls off a cliff. You've got the Clippers are going to be without Paul George now, so who knows how far they're going to fall? The Nuggets are just treading at five hundred because Jokic is playing out of his mind. He's yeah, playing, that was literally going to be one of my points. You know, I mean, th- yeah. this guy's playing. He's putting up better numbers than he did last year when he was the MVP. You know, the T Wolves are right there. The Lakers. You know, the Spurs are 14 and 19. They're sticking around. They're sticking around. DeJounte Murray just entered protocols, but they're sticking around. They beat the Lakers by 30, and Murray only had like six points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) I mean... My, my pick of Sacramento is is still might be there. It's They're, hanging it's like, by a thread. It's hanging on. And every like week to 10 days, Alvin Gentry comes out and apologizes for the horrific play <laughs> of his team. <laughs> he does. I would once again like to apologize to Sacramento Kings fans for the effort of our team. We will not stand for this. Wait another week to 10 days. Once again, I would like to apologize. The weekly address from interim coach Alvin Gentry. That was unacceptable. (laughs) Let's stay on the negative, though. Let's stay on the negative. Um, We're mentioning, you know, the Lakers and how they have woes. Team, I thought, was starting to figure it out a little bit because of their play of their two superstars. One of them is now in health and safety protocols again after experiencing uh, some less than uh, envious symptoms last year. Jason Tatum, who had to come back and use an inhaler, he said, he's in health and safety protocols now. So Jalen Brown is the one that's going to be the focal point of this team after Jalen Brown was out earlier this year and Jason Tatum had to be the number one guy. Now it's Jalen Brown that has to be the number one guy. Well, they just lost to a Wolves team that didn't have Cat, didn't have Anthony Edwards, didn't have Torian Prince. You know, all these these big pieces that they uh, were missing and uh, more of the same Boston uh, fourth quarter meltdown. You know, it's happened a lot. The The there's like an overlying theme on that this year, regardless of who was on the floor, but interesting, interesting, interesting thing that I caught on Monday night, Al Horford says to the media, yeah, we're going to have to look at ourselves in the mirror. Jalen Brown 
hearing of those things, hearing of those comments from Al Horford, goes, look at yourself in the mirror. Nah, no comment. So here we are again with the Celtics in turmoil, still in that play in spot. They're 16 and 18. They're, the the combination of Tatum and Brown was like averaging like somewhere around 54 points a night over like five games before Tatum re-entered those protocols. But they're struggling right now. They're struggling. Um, what's the answer here? Is it we know that Brad Stevens before the season signed all these deals because there's flexible. They're probably the most flexible team in the league as far as trade po- uh, possibilities go. Just looking at their contracts, they're all in that 15 millish range, you know, like very, very smart deals. What's the answer here? Do you split up the Jays? If you do, are you going to get enough back? Somebody that liked the tweet, by the way, of Jalen Brown saying, uh, questioning Al Horford's methods or, or his quote was actually Joel Embiid, by the way. So what do you do here? What do you do here if you're, you're gangrene? See, that's the tough thing because if you're, if you're a Celtics fan and also the Celtics front office, do you really want to see them break up Tatum and Brown? Because they're still so young. You know, they have made the playoffs together. So I think that's a tough decision to make during a season. To me, if they want to split them up, I would wait to the off season. Fair. Now, you know, Marcus Smart's a guy that I could see getting moved, but he did get the contract in the offseason. So he's a guy you can also wait around on to. You know, you got a little bit more time, you know, with Time Lord now. It, it's tough. It just depends on what the deal is. Like, are you making a deal with the Pacers for one of their bigs? If, if it's a bonus and you don't have to give up, you know, Brown or Tatum, then yeah, I, I could definitely see a move. But if it's not something that's that much of a, it looks like a slam dunk, I I think this is another team where the answers lie within. If there's going to be, a, if it's going to be different. that They haven't had a point guard and God, I don't remember the last time they had like a point guard. Like, and it's weird because almost every team in the NBA does. I mean, there's so many good point guards around, but yet the Celtics don't have one. Like, I mean, even going back to IT, he was like always, you know, score first type. You look at, you know, they had Terry Rozier for that, you know, year. Marcus Smart, not exactly your your playmaker. Tatum's had that playmaking portion of the, the game on his mantle for a while. Like, but Al Horford, know- Al Horford could be your playmaker. I mean, use him as like a Jokic type, but... Is that enough to create? Are there enough guys that can create their own shot or create for others? I feel like the only guys that can create for themselves are Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. The strange thing I think with the Celtics is that their deficiency is very obvious. They hold on to the ball too long. They don't move the ball around well. And yet they they have not changed. You know, and it starts with their top two guys. It starts with Tatum and Brown. They're still solid defensively, too. That's the like they thrive when they get out in the open floor. And like that's that's when the ball gets moving. They look up ahead and then boom, they got an easy transition opportunity. But in the in the half court, it's just 
clunky. Is that the word? Yeah. Like, I mean, let, let me, let me throw out a, a non sexy name, but I do wonder if it's somebody that could be a difference maker because he already has shown he has still has a lot of value in the team he's with right now. And that's Ricky Rubio. Because if you look at Rubio and what he's done for the Cavs bench, okay, because the Cavs bench is one of the better ones in the league, especially they're not losing leads. And sometimes they're growing leads. But you look at a guy like Rubio, who is a pass first, you know, point guard that can hit some shots here and there. But I, you know, like I said, not a sexy name. And I'm not, and, and I think the Cavs have a big decision to make on him because he is in the final year of his deal. And do they want to hold on to him? Or are they going to extend him? You know, uh, you know, if they're going to trade him, I mean, he's obviously a candidate before, you know, the deadline year. But, I mean, that would be somebody that I think could be a difference maker on the team. I don't know how they could get him, you know. And I don't think they're, I don't think they're trading Marcus Smart for Ricky Rubio, even though, you know, I think Rubio would be a better fit for what that team needs right now. It would. I will say this, um, just looking from the Cavs perspective, I wouldn't touch it if I was Kobe. Olsen. I would not I if I was the Cavs. Either. I wouldn't I mean, touch it with a, a 10 foot pole, bro. Like Cavs, I, I wouldn't do it. The Cavs, like I said, they have a big decision to make because I don't think they want to go into the off season waiting on him. Like they can extend him and he's not going to make the same kind of money. Cause what's he making like right now? He's like making six, 17 right now. 17. Okay. So then I get 17, but could you give him a two for 20? You think there's value there? Maybe. You know, but, or if, if they say, Hey, he's not going to be in our long-term future. Now was the time to trade him, you know, and see what else you can get for him. So we'll see, but that's the kind of guy that the Celtics need. And, you know, and the Celtics have a decision to make too on like Dennis Schroeder, because, you know, Schroeder's going to want to get paid in the off season. And I got a feeling that he's going to be available here at the trade deadline. Interesting trade proposal um, by basketballnews.com. One of our writers, Nikias Duncan, uh, pondered the thought for the Celtics. If they can't get a point guard, if they can't get a point guard, they can still get a playmaker. Could that playmaker be DeMontis Sabonis? That's what I mentioned before. Make, yeah, say, if they could make that. But I mean, they probably would want to make a deal. Well, they don't give up Tatum and Brown. So if you're the Pacers, you probably uh, have to give up Brown. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. But if like, you're, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're the Pacers, does a Time Lord Marcus Smart trade make sense for you along with picks? Not for an All Star. Probably not. Yeah, not probably for an not because when you get Time Lord, then then he's going to play with with Turner, and that's case, that ugly. doesn't work. Yeah, that's ugly. You know, so you've got to give up one of those guys. But if you're going to give up a Jalen Brown. Uh, are you going to want to do that in a package that would get you Sabonis? Or would you want to be swinging even higher and get a Bradley Beal? Yeah. So right. there's, there's a give and take there. And it's taking nothing away from Sabonis because, you know, I, I think Sabonis might be a better fit. Um, we just so know the history of, with Beal and Tatum. Isn't that, yeah. That's always been the the hot rumor, so to speak, you know, like I still think that like when it comes to the big names, unless it's one of the guys from the Pacers, I don't see the Celtics breaking up Tatum and Brown right now. I don't see Bradley Beal on the move. I, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff in the off season. I just don't think anything big is going to happen here before the trade deadline. And that's fair. It, it, it's, it's a tough it's, decision to make for the Celtics, man. I, <laughs> 
that 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 is difficult. You know what else is difficult? Picking player props. That's really difficult, Brian. I think I'm 0 for 4, 0 for 5, however long we've started to do this. I've done is better, that- but my last one, I won because I had a guy enter um, or did not play one night. So I didn't win. I, I won, but I didn't win the full amount. I got, I got demerited on it a little bit, but I won. <laughs> That's no good. But we are with our friends at PrizePix, app.prizepix.com. Player props, very fun things to do. You should have fun with it. No, we always do. Don't forget, if you use the promo code NEWS on prizepicks.com, they'll match up to 100% on an instant deposit. So go ahead and do it. We already have, and we already know who we're picking. We wrote them down this time. We're not just going to slog through. Brian's got his picks. I've got my picks, and I will tell you why I am doing those picks, but he's going to tell you his first. My picks for uh, tonight's games as we sit here on a Tuesday afternoon. I have Ricky Rubio over 13 and a half points with the news that Dears Garland is out. So I'm going with he Rubio. He snuck that in. He snuck I that did. in as soon as that news came out. If, if I, I would hope that they keep that alive for you. I have Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic, excuse me. Uh, 28 and a half points. I'm taking the under against Golden State. And uh, that's just a lot of points. And I know it's a big game for them playing uh, the Warriors, but I'm going to say... He's under. And then in my ultimate um, slap me in the face one, the Lakers are taking on the Rockets. And I am taking Russell Westbrook over 20 and a half points. Oh, man. You know, that guy is going to be freaking everybody has been, you know, slamming him left and right. And, you know, he's going to be a chucker. He'll go 10 of 40. He's going to be a (laughs) chucker. He will be a chucker in this game. 20 and a half points. He, I think he's going to take 20 and a half shots in the first half. Okay. So um, I'm, I'm going to take Russ on the over. All right. All right. So we'll list off mine. First one, Gary Harris over 14 and a half points. You know what? I like this because he's scoring again. He's starting to look like Gary Harris. How about it? It's because also, you know, they haven't had Cole Anthony. He's been out with an ankle injury. They haven't had R.J. Hampton. They haven't had Terrence Ross. All of these guys are sidelined by either injury or health and safety protocols. We all know that Jalen Suggs has also been out. But Gary Harris is looking like Nuggets Derry, uh, Gary, Gary Harris here lately. Trade and, value uh, Gary Harris? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I, you know, you were talking about Cavs making a move. That, that might, not be a, uh, not, might not be a bad one. So... Over the last five games, let's look at Mr. Harris's averages. Averaging 19 a game, shooting 43% from deep, 47% from the field, getting a steal a game. In his last five, he has scored over 20 points, or at least 20 points, in three of the last five games. So, that's why I'm taking 14 and a half. This is probably the hammer on poor Gary. Gary, I hope you have a good game tonight. I'm sorry if I ruin it. <laughs> that, that right there uh, is my first prize picks bet. Second prize picks uh, call here. Joel Embiid over 12 rebounds. Or is it 12 and a half? It's 12 or 12? 12. 12 over 12 rebounds, thankfully. We can still push on that then. 
He's facing the Toronto Raptors. Guys, the Raptors have nobody on their team. They literally, like, they have nobody left. They're starting DJ Wilson and Chris Boucher in the front court. Love Chris Boucher's game. Um, but just looking at his 6'9", 200-pound frame against Joel Embiid, who is an absolute tank, uh, I think he'll be boxing a lot of guys out. Uh, I think he'll be well on his way to over 12 rebounds. It's a high number, I know that. And Embiid hasn't been, you know, getting rebounds as of late, I suppose. You know, 13, 10, 10, 9, 14. It's kind of a little bit of Russian roulette there. But I'm taking my chances against the Raptors. Hopefully it's a it's a decently close game for three quarters. You don't want it to be a blowout city and have Joel go to the bench um, because of a lack of, of, of what guys are are left. Cleveland obviously just blew out the Raptors 144 to 99. Hopefully that gives the Raptors a little bit of juice going into this one. And they actually, you know, keep it close. It's obviously tough with the health and safety protocols. But just looking at personnel and what they have in the front court, I think Embiid can snag 12 boards. I think he can snag 12 boards and at least that number. So um, going with that. And then you say, slap me in the face. My last one, slap me in the face, breaking my cardinal rule. And here is why. Here is why. So Pelicans taking on the Cavs tonight. Rookie Herb Jones has been having a very underrated season. Okay. He's starting to find it offensively, even with Brandon Ingram back, even with Devontae Graham doing what he's doing, even with Jonas Valanciunas. Remember, too, the Pelicans, they won five out of seven. They're they're actually starting to find a little bit of groove. They've stuck with it. So good for them. One of those wins also included one over the Milwaukee, by the way. So that's impressive. Even, you know, whoever was on the floor for him. But Herb Jones, Mr. Jones, the rookie. Again, starting to find a little bit of an offensive groove. 0.5 threes made. That means he needs to make one three. A single three. Now, he hasn't made one three a game. I'll I'll say that. But he took a career-high five his last game. Career-high five. So maybe they're putting it in his ear that he needs to shoot more. Maybe they're going to stick him in the corner. Maybe he's going to shoot him up. There are times where he hasn't attempted one three a game. I understand that. But it's starting to go up a little bit. He's starting to to attempt more threes per game. Three, three, two. I think I can get lucky. I think I can get lucky. It's one three. One three against the I love that bet. All you need is to make one three. And this is your your boogaboo because every time that you do three-pointers, you miss. I would have had, I would have won the first time we played prize picks. Drew Holiday. If Kevin Durant would have just Um, made one three. We had the Drew Holiday one as well. Uh, We've had a couple. It was over one and a half threes and KD made one. He had an attempt at the end of the game with three minutes left. It rattled in and out. Yeah. I was distraught. And for anybody else that wants to play on prize picks, just remember when you make your picks, if, especially if you do like us and you say you take three and you obviously you could take more, but you could do a flex play where you'll win on if you hit on two of the three or if you hit on all three or you can power play it where you must hit on all three, but you get five or you get, uh, yeah, you get five times the amount, five times. And that's just for three. If you want to, you know, pick more and you hit on all of them, 
you you know, win even Your more. Your return increases. You're That's right the this. hope. That and is the hope. We go all in here at keeping it at 94, damn it. We're trying to keep it at three, and I've been trying to keep it to points. The last time I did points, I won. How about this? So if keep if I points. finally hit, if I finally hit, I'll just increase my number every week on the amount of, of player props. Okay. Okay. And, and then we'll go. Hopefully I, I just want to see you win one because you haven't won So do yet. I. So do I, Brian. So do I. At least, at least I've won a few. You have. Congratulations. But that is our friends over at Prize Picks. Remember, any instant deposit matched up to 100%, up to $100. So go to prizepicks.com. Get some free money. Can we talk about the Cavs here for a minute? You're, we can. Because, obviously, you living right there. I mean, you, you have some uh, good insight into the Cavs and their thinking right now. I mean, the Cavs are having a tremendous season. Currently, the fifth seed in the East. And you're only a half game back at the fourth seed. Um, you know, look at every look at they hit right when it comes to Evan Mobley. Uh, you know, uh, Garland, Darius Garland's having a great season, even though he's you know going to be missing at least a game or two because of uh, health and safety protocol. And uh, and despite you know them losing Colin Sexton, you know after 11 games and being out for the season, but yeah, you look at, this team has been uh, has played fantastically well. But I do wonder. It- what they're going to do as we get closer to the trade deadline, because like we said, we're only about six weeks away and this is a team that has a decision to make. Do we want to ride it out? And do we like the guys that we have right now? Do we want to make moves around the edges uh, as we get ready to go into the playoffs? Because you do have somebody like a Ricky Rubio who's in the final year of his contract and you've got some other movable pieces, or do you want to swing big? And if you swing big, there is a player that got mentioned in the offseason, and Woj mentioned him again on Christmas Day, and that is one Ben Simmons. And that is a guy that, according to Woj, the Cavs are still sniffing around on. And that would obviously be a big hitter. And would. there would be picks and players that would be involved in that. And I'm sure the Sixers want somebody that – they feel it can help them right now. So there's a lot of different things that the Cavs could do. And I'm curious what you are thinking that the Cavs are thinking right now. Like, what, what do you think their mindset is as we are only six weeks away from the trade deadline and they're having a fantastic season where it looks like they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to be, you know, possibly even a top four seed in the East. You're at a pivotal moment here if you're the Cavs right now. Um your 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 core is growing together. They are playing extremely well. They're cohesive. Hasn't mattered who the hell has been on the floor. They've given the same effort every night. And I actually wrote about that. I, I wrote about that a couple, couple weeks ago on basketballnews.com. I don't know if you can touch it right now. I don't know if you can touch it. Uh, and yes, Ben Simmons is more proven. He's an all-defensive team member, all that stuff. But I think you have something very delicate at this moment right now. I think you have a a very delicate um, belief, bond, whatever you want to call it. Those guys in that locker room think they can win it all right now. I'm going to tell you that right now. They, They think they can win it all. Is that the truth? Probably not. Probably not. You need to get into the playoffs. You need to get your experience. 
Can you be last year's Hawks? Sure, maybe. Who knows? It's the, it's the environment itself. It's guys cracking jokes. It's lighthearted. They're winning. Nobody's pointed any fingers anytime they've lost. Like, I don't know if you can mess with that. I really don't. I, I think that you need to extend Ricky Rubio. I don't think Darius Garland is the player he is without Ricky Rubio. Uh, I think you need to allow Jared Allen and Evan Mobley to continue to, to blossom as the future front quarter of that team. Um, I mean, you've gotten contributions from Kevin Love off the bench. No, I don't think you should trade him. I don't. Uh, and that, yeah, my tone's completely changed 100%, and I'll admit that. But he's bought in, just like Ricky Rubio's bought in to 20-minute rolls, 25-minute rolls off the bench, being super subs, leading as veterans. I just don't know. You would have to give up something very significant to get Ben Simmons. I don't know if you do that. Now, we were mentioning Simmons earlier. makes $33 million, so just keep that in mind. You'd have to give up someone very significant. Like, and I don't know who Philly, were they going to ask for freaking Darius Garland? No, you're not going to give up Darius Garland. You're not going to give up Evan Mobley. Well, here's what here's like, here's a package that works. And I'm not saying they would do this because I don't think Kevin Love would be included in a deal. Okay, this package works, but I don't know if Philly would be interested in it. And I don't even know if Cleveland would be interested in it. Because a Sexton, Okoro, Marketing trade works. Okay. But would Philly be willing to do that. Would, what advantage is that to Philly? I mean, you get marketing who's been a little bit up and down. A core is out for the year. Sex is out for the year. He's also a free agent at the end of the year. Right. So you'd have to extend him, and that's going to you know add to your cap and your luxury tax. And then you've got a Coro who's playing really well. Um, he's playing really well right now. Yes. So I mean, that's something that works. Um, when he's telling, and then there would be draft picks that would be involved in that. Um, if you wanted to change it around and put Rubio in there. But I mean, you're talking about, you'd probably have to get a third team involved. You know, when it comes to Garland, I mean, I can't imagine that because it's not even a thing of, well, is Ben a better player than Garland? Because I think on the fringe, you look at Ben Simmons and for all his faults, what he brings to the table defensively and, how, you know, his passing, his rebound, all the different facets of his game. He's already been, you know, an all-star a couple of times. You could say he's a better player overall, but when it comes to what this team needs, he's, a, you know, he's your guy that you drafted, you know, the fan, you know, aspect of all of this. I can't imagine trading Darius Gard, Garland for Ben Simmons, especially because of just all the, all the, the drama, I guess, surrounding Ben, you know, and the backlash would be, I mean, that backlash would go away very quickly if you, if you continue to win, but you could still win with Garland as well. Here's my other thing too, though. For like superstar caliber players. Yeah. You know, whatever you can get acclimated pretty quickly, but for the majority of NBA players, I think, at least unless you're like a championship contender adding a fringe piece or if you're a playoff team adding a fringe piece. Getting used to a new environment and starting with a new team that you weren't in training camp with 
that you have no chemistry with, it's not easy to do. And a lot of teams have tough times integrating new players in that way. I don't know. I don't know if there's a guy that would be able to come in and right away for this team. Because everything's so time-based with this team right now. If you look on the offensive end, they know where their spots are. They know when the pocket pass is coming. They know when to spot up in the corner. They know when to throw the lob. I, well, I mean, the it, other sounds problem like with Simmons, it sounds like excuses because yeah. Ben Simmons is an incredible player. But he hasn't played it all this year. You don't and, even know and, if he's yeah, he hasn't mentally played all this ready. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would like to think physically he's in, he's in shape, but that doesn't mean game shape. And on top of that, is he mentally ready to come in and be a part of a team and not just a part of any team? We're talking about a team that believes in itself that they're going to be real contenders. So is he going to be able to step in and immediately have an impact on this team? And that's, that is a huge question that we don't know the answer to. And you won't know until he steps out in the court or until, you know, he's ready to play. I mean, no. quite honestly, the team that could use Ben Simmons the most is the Brooklyn Nets is Philadelphia. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, you want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. I don't want to go a deep dive on this, but uh, hey, Kyrie Irving is a guy that's going to be a free agent in the offseason, and he might be uh, going away. And, um, you know, Harden might be – they might not give him the money either, and he could walk as well. So we that's could see shame. major changes of Brooklyn in the offseason. I mean, looking at the way you've seen Harden play this year, um, and with everything going on with Kyrie, do you want to give both those guys a max deal if you're Brooklyn? Mm, I don't know. Tough sell. Tough sell. But, you know, when it comes to the Cavs, that's, that, this is what's interesting because you've got a team that I wouldn't say came out of nowhere, but, like, they've made all the right moves. And it's – it can be tough. Everybody was laughing. Everyone was right. laughing at Tall Ball. Everybody laughed at Tall Ball. But it can be tough being patient because you're so close. You oh, yeah. can see everything there. But you know that there's still room not only to grow with your players, but to get that one other piece mm-hmm. to help put so, you over the top. To win. So, win is the right time to pull the trigger on that piece because look at the Celtics. The Celtics totally missed their window on when they were going to do it. They, yeah. they whiffed on the difference that. The difference is that the Cavs have a point guard, but that's, yes, near, that's very true. There. And what, the Cavs are, what the Cavs are missing is a wing, a wing that can shoot and defend. And it's funny. (laughs) They're not all available. Like three and D wings are not easy to find. They're rare. Um, Consistent, consistent ones. But I'm looking at fringe moves. If this Cavs team is buying at the deadline, I'm looking at fringe moves. A Justin Holiday in the Pacers. I just mentioned Gary Harris. How about Terrence Ross? You know, like, How about, um, this is aiming a little higher because this could be a future starter, who knows, but Cam Reddish is someone who's making waves in Atlanta right now. Just scored 33 the other day. You know how good his defense is, but he's really coming into his own over the season as DeAndre Hunter's been on the sideline. Those are the types of players I would go for. Is there a trade that makes sense for both sides when it comes to the Cavs and the Hawks? What do the Hawks need? <laughs> I mean, 
they have pretty much the same team that got to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. See, the Hawks is I mentioned this before. What do they, what the do they only, need? What I'm not the need? only one to mention this, but the Hawks need to consolidate. They need to make a two for one deal or a three for one deal. Well, that's fair. I I just don't know what they need. <laughs> like, they need consistency. Exactly. They have the roster. I I don't think they need anybody. And 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 if Cam Reddish keeps playing like this, then he ain't gonna be on the block. Yeah, you obviously have to pay him eventually. But I mean, well, I damn. Think, I think Gallinari can be had. Um, yeah. So Hunter like Hunter possibly could be had. So you know, I think they would try. I think they would move Cam Reddish over Hunter. I do That's too. Just my opinion. But, I do too. I don't know. Could they use what a backup point guard that goes back to the Rubio conversation we were having? But, but like, you're just talking about a backup there, and they're not going to. But do then, and, players, so. and also, and also, you would making be making a veteran for a young guy move, which again, you don't want to pull the wrong Jenga piece. You don't mm-hmm. want to pull the wrong Jenga piece. But if you can use a draft pick to get someone like a, like I said, a Justin Holiday or a uh, or a Terrence Ross or a, a Gary Harris, like. These are the types of names I'm cycling in my head right now. Veterans can shoot, contribute defensively, and aren't going to demand the ball too much. Uh, Gary Harris makes $20 million, almost 21. That, that's a tough deal to do then. <laughs> See, that, that's the tough part. We're trying to make a move for him because you, but you, you would have to send away Ricky Rubio for that. But let me ask you this. If the Orlando Magic cannot make a trade involving Gary Harris, do they be nice and buy him out? And buy him out. Because if they sit there going, at this point, we're out of it. We're just going to lose games. Do we want to still try to win a little bit more and keep a Gary Harris? Or do we want to be good by the player and more importantly, his agent um, and let him go to a contender? Tough question. It's a tough question because I, I'm thinking that Jamal Mosley doesn't want to lose one of his vets, and Gary Harris is a vet now. Oh, I'm sure he does not. But at that you point, know? it's like if we know we're not going to resign this guy in the offseason, and we've are and we couldn't make a deal for him at the trade deadline. I guess you know the the, have, the only value you have left at that point is hey, let's see if we can butter up his agent, you know, a little bit for future moves and let him let his client go, and try to win a ring this year put him in a better situation put him in a better situation who knows but yeah like the, the Cavs, it's it's delicate for me right now yeah I, I i wouldn't touch it why would you touch it You're, you'd be overthinking to touch it i think yeah you, you could go i'm i'm always of the the belief and maybe i'm stupid okay maybe i'm stupid because i'm when i was watching the brooklyn nets i was really enjoying watching the brooklyn nets three years ago had Dinwiddie, they had Joe Harris, they had Jared Allen, all these teams, right? Or all these these players that were really good. And I was like, okay, so you're telling me you spent four or five years developing these guys. And once they're developed, you're going to go after somebody else and you don't have chemistry like built. Like th- that's something to do in the offseason. Like if you have that realization in the offseason that, okay, one of these core pieces we're going to ship off because we, we don't want to be too young. I understand that. Um, but doing it midseason when it's actually working, when you're in the top five categories for a lot of different statistical categories, um, 
you're having this cohesion, no matter who's out on the floor, you're winning and winning handily. By the way, uh, 11 of their last 14, the ones that they've won, average of 22.3 plus margin. Why even think of, of changing it? Why? I, if it's, again, if it's an edge move, I understand it. And you, you, know, you look at, you know, guys on the bench, like a Jetty Osmond. Jetty Osmond's been playing his mind out this year when he's been healthy. Um, looks like a completely different player shooting near 40% from deep. Is this consistent? I don't know if he's going to be consistent. Um, and he has a very team-friendly contract, right? He's making 8, 7.3, 6.6 over the next three years. Is that a deal you could use in a, in a deal? Yes. Um, particularly because he's not, um, you know, a part of the quote-unquote young core. Um, but, like, if you're thinking about even, even offering any of the core four, like, I don't think, I don't think Kobe Altman would do it. That's just me. I would just look at a team like this because it is so young. And because we are seeing the chemistry come together, I would not make any major moves right now. Now, in the offseason, that could be different because then obviously it's you've got a whole thing when it comes to uh, training camp and, and whatnot. You've got all of that to go into. But in the middle of the season, as this is the first year that everything has come together with these guys to disrupt the chemistry right now by making a major move, I think that would be very, very rough. Now, if there's something around the fringe, or even if they say, you know, I know Ricky Rubio, you've had a really good role with this team, but just for, you know, our roster and everything going forward, we need to make a move for, you know, involving you right now. I could understand that, but anything beyond that, a big splash to me, that's, it's too tough for right now in the middle of the season. Moving Ricky Rubio would not make that locker room happy. That's just that's just all I know that's, that. I, know I, that. I think so too. I I mean it's tough to move Rubio. Like it would what are you getting that's gonna be it, it has to be somebody really good. Again, it goes back to that what I was talking about with Pat Bev. Like, does he have the gaudiest shooting numbers? No. But he knows how to play. He knows how to play on offense, he knows how to get others involved. And again, it's what we don't see. It's what we see. We don't see that's behind the curtains. That makes a difference on a team. Yes. And that's why right. I don't think I don't think they're going to make any ma major moves. And like maybe somebody else could get it, you know, moved uh, on that team. But yeah. I think what we see from the Cavs, and this is a decision that a lot of other teams I think are going to be making. Like the team that they have right now, that's for the most part going to be their team. Uh, for the rest of the season, except for maybe some minor moves around the edges. No question. Let's do a lightning round, and then we'll get out of here. Ready? Sure. Lightning round. Uh, you have here on the Bulls. I wanted to talk about the Bulls, too, just real quick. Uh, again, Zach Levine. I was watching that game last night, and he looked so spry. He looked so, like, bouncy. And, and I mean, it's not anything different than what we know Zach Levine can do. But if he's in that tip-top physical condition, while DeRozan's thriving, while Nikola Vucevic is playing his butt off, 24 and 17 last night again, by the way. I know a lot of people beginning of the season when he was off to that like sluggish start were like, oh, is, Levine, is Vuce going to be the, the weak piece of this team? 
no, no. He's gotten much, much uh, crisper as as a center and in that offense, um, really hitting his threes, um, getting rebounds. He's just a tremendous player. Um, if that's their their core three or their quote unquote big three, they're in good shape. They're in good shape. Um, and they're great love- in clutch situations. Like when when there are tight games. You would. There was some people that wondered, like, well, who's going to get the shot? Is it going to be DeRozan? Is it going to be uh, Levine? You know, is there going to be an argument about that because it's been Levine's team? It's been DeRozan, and there hasn't been a problem. Okay, I mean, there we know who their their final five on the court is when it comes clutch time. You know, yeah. You know, we it, and everybody knows their role. They strap it on defensively. They know who's going to get the shot, and you know when they get in close games. It's hard to go against the Bulls. Unsung hero of this team is Io DeSonmu. Love him. Love the Rook. Um, hometown kid, too. Uh, really solid player. Uh, smart. Uh, and has been trusted in a lot of these games uh, to play the big minutes, which I think says a lot about where this Bull staff is with his development. He doesn't take too many shots. But, again, he's smart. Makes the right basketball play. Um, and is, is really solid, um, you know, just, just on the ball. So that's just the quick idea I had there over on talking about the bulls. They are 21 and 10 now, number two in the East. Um, so you're look, all of a sudden you're looking at that central division. You're like, Oh wow. The central division is looking pretty solid this year. Right. And, um, and you know, the bucks are, you know, right behind them. Oh, just yeah. a game back at 22 and 13, but you, you feel like the bucks, you know, once, They've got, you know, their full roster for a while. Like they are just destined to go on a run. And, oh, even, and even if they didn't, I still look at them as the favorites to come out of the East as it stands right now. Because those those guys, I mean, when they're all together, when they're healthy, their numbers are incredible. Yep. And Bobby Portis was playing his ass off when all those guys were in play were in protocols before he went into protocols. Um and they're going to get DiVincenzo back. They got him back on Christmas. Yeah, I was going to say, like, like, like they've gotten DiVincenzo back. Like, when they get Brooke Lopez back. I don't even know how much Brooke's going to play. Right. But, I mean, be nice to at least have him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you know? No I mean, there, there was people wondering, like, how he's going to miss the entire season. It sounds like he's not. But I don't know when exactly he's going to be back. Mm-hmm. For sure. Miami. They're rolling regardless of who's been on the floor. Uh, I might have jinxed him when he was in Cleveland, but after I interviewed Max Struess, just going to say, Max Struess, shooting the hell out of the ball. (laughs) Shooting the hell out of the ball, almost on that like Duncan Robinson type of trajectory right now. Um, Like I said, when I interviewed him in Cleveland, he went 0-4. Since that point, he is averaging 20 points a game. Uh, shooting 43% from deep on 10 attempts a night, uh, attempting 14 shots a night, uh, and has scored in that time. He scored career-high 32 against Orlando on the road, scored 24 in Detroit, and then um, against Detroit again, he scored 26. He's a sharpshooter, man. Uh, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Max Struess. Hope that this little stretch is going to eventually get him paid. Um, cool story again. Somebody that was just never looked at, never really looked at. Man, um, 
had a two-way with the Celtics, got waived before training camp. Then he signed a two-way with the Bulls, didn't really see much action. And then all the way from an Exhibit 10 contract with the Heat in November of uh, 2020. And here he is now, multi-year contract, almost in that same, again, trajectory of a Duncan Robinson, someone you know is going to come off that screen, shoot the ball, and he's making them. He's making them and uh, making teams pay. Got to shout out my guy, Omar Yurtsevin, as well. Um, he has filled in admirably while Bam Adebayo's been out, while Dwayne Dedman's, you know, behind him. Over the last five games, uh, since he's been getting this kind of playing time, averaging 8.6 points, nearly 13 rebounds a game, and, and doing a solid job uh, on the, the defensive end. So, um, you know, credit to Yurt for, for getting his game going. He just had a career high 16 and 15 against Orlando, uh, the day after Christmas. It's one of my guys. Um, so very happy for, for Yurt. Um, and, and hoping again that, that this is beneficial to him in the, the future, but it, this is the point, no matter who's been out on the floor for the heat, they, they've just brought the same attitude. Um, think we got to give credit to Gabe Vincent, Gabe Vincent, um, you know, really finding his, his groove as well. Um, and he started quite a few games for the heat actually last year. Um, I shouldn't say quite a few. He started seven, but um, he played 50 games last year and got a lot of experience this year. Uh, I feel like just that experience is paying off. Maybe the experience from the Olympics is playing off, you know, like uh, he played for the Nigerian national team and um, you know, did a solid job there this year. You know, the, the, the point total isn't sexy, but he has scored, over 25, um, uh, you know, twice in the last four games and uh, is shooting 37% from deep. Um, you know, none of this would be possible, no, without Kyle Lowry, and he's in the health and safety protocols now. But um, I think it's admirable that they're 21 13. Uh, I mean, just looking at what their roster is. Well, you look at that team. Jimmy Butler has only played 19 games. Bam has only played in 18 games. And Duncan Robinson has not shot the ball well all season long. And that team right now is 21 and 13 in the four seed in the East. Yep. How? No idea. Uh, Spo again, man. Spo makes it work. Just, just is what it is. Uh, we'd be remiss not to mention John Morant being back. John Morant's back. He just made a game winner in Phoenix, as I mentioned in the open. What a fun game that was. First of all, uh, Memphis held the lead pretty much the whole game. And then, Devin Booker rises up for three. You know, you think it's over. There's four seconds left. And John just takes it into the teeth of the defense. Uh, Chris Paul is aware of Desmond Bain being out on the three-point line. And by the way, Desmond Bain over his last seven games, averaging 21. What a what a job he's done. What a job the Grizzlies did uh, in Jaw's absence. And that team, as you were mentioned earlier, has 21 wins as well. But it, it's just good having Jaw back. Um He's just fun to watch. We know how good he is, uh, but just adding him to a team with now that, that has a lot of confidence after they ripped off all those wins in his absence um, is a good thing. It's a good thing for them. Uh, I think Steven Adams doesn't get nearly enough credit um, as the anchor in that middle. Um, they're just a solid, solid bunch. Uh, did also want to mention uh, Joel Embiid. <laughs> putting up ridiculous numbers, keeping the Sixers where they are, which isn't great, but they're 17 and 16. Um, they need a trade. 
he's just he's he's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal player. They, they, I, they, I just they, love I love at the end of games watching him just hit these seventeen footers, just facing up, facing up, seventeen footer, facing up, facing up, seventeen footer. He had thirty six and thirteen in his most recent outing. He had forty one and ten against Boston in a win. He's you're, just you're only going to have Joel Embiid for so many seasons. A big guy with that kind of talent and with the injury history that he has, like they they got to make a move when it comes to Simmons or do something. They they've got to get more guys around him because you can't squander these years. You just can't. True that. True that. Um, speaking of dominant big man, we mentioned it earlier, but somehow Denver is still 500. You'd think they'd just be in the in the dang trenches at this point, but. Gutty win uh, on the road against the Clippers, um, the, their last game, and it, he's got to be an MVP conversation. That, I, well, that's what I was going to say. I was like, he I know pe- people want to make the argument be. about like, well, is your team going to make the playoffs, or you know, are you over five hundred? And I understand all of those different things that go into an MVP argument, but when you look at Jokic and what he is doing, he's putting up twenty six, fourteen, and seven. He's got a PR of. Almost 33. He's coming off. Okay, so in the win against the Clippers, 26 and 22 with eight assists. The game before that, 21, 29 and 21 against the the Hornets. Uh, he had a little bit of a clunker in OKC, but that's because you know, the team had a clunker in OKC. But you just look at the numbers before that, and it's double-double, double-double, triple-double. And I know that we can take away value on triple-double sometimes, but he's doing it in a team in the team uh, environment and for the benefit of the team. And he has to be, he has, he has to be in the MVP conversation. There's and by no the way, way. He's, he's shooting 56 and a half percent from the field too, on top of all. And, and he might be, I mean, he's going to make an all defensive team this year as well, because that's a part of his game that has improved is on that end of the court. So he's doing he all this crazy stuff on offense and his defense has gotten a lot better. It has. And it, it's it's progressively gotten better. But yeah, he's done a solid job of that, you know, this year particularly. But he just has to be in the conversation. Like I'm, he's amazing. I'm just I'm just looking at all these stats that come out and you're just like, wow, that's crazy. Uh random mention, you don't have to talk about this, but on the Spurs, we were we were talking about, you know, how they're hanging around and yeah, it sucks that um, you know, DeJounte Murray's went when when Murray went into protocols, but um, love seeing Jock Landale getting playing time uh, as somebody who is a big Aussie hoops fan. Uh, he's actually been being, being played by, by pop here as of late. Um, and uh, I think that he's going to be earning playing time here soon enough. But, uh, you know, over the last three games, uh, he's averaging 12.7 points, five rebounds, and uh, knocking down 43% of his threes. I want to see more NBL guys in the league. That's why I'm mentioning Jock Landale. Uh, I think that's awesome. Still only 26 too, but uh, I love these, these transfers to come over, but uh, Derek White having a great year. Keldon Johnson playing well. Devin Vassell, I think is somebody that we need to start paying more attention to. Um, and again, the Spurs, they're hanging around. They're only five games under 500. And if you look at the West, they're still right there in the thick of things. Always think San Antonio's out. Always get proven wrong. <laughs> so 
that was just my lightning round. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention? I know we've gone a little bit long, but we also haven't uh, potted here in a little while. So Felt I right. think the only other thing to mention is just, you know, and this is another negative, but you look at the season that Luca has had, and it's been such a disappointment. And now, you know, with safety and protocol and everything going on with him and the Mavericks as this team that some people wondered, could they really be a contender in the West? And instead they are one game below 500 and Jalen Brunson's at least making himself some money. Right. (laughs) But outside of that, I mean, look at just what has gone on with that team. And it all surrounds, you know, their best player. It does. And, uh, you know, KP came back on, on Christmas and, uh, we haven't mentioned him once, but, uh, well, we mentioned him earlier about health and safety protocols, but we're not talking about Utah, who possibly could be the best team in the NBA for all we know. Uh, I, I know that the Warriors are the sexy-looking team right now, and they look like they're clicking on all cylinders. They get clay back soon. Get that. Um, but we consistently don't talk about Utah. And uh, Rudy Gobert is just his offensive um, contributions this year, being more aggressive, um, getting to the foul line, all that. Um, in addition to Donovan Mitchell just being consistent and uh, amazing, <laughs> uh, Mike Conley, all that. We we haven't gone down the list, but they beat a Dallas team that was you know kind of down uh, players. But that's more to the point. Yeah, that Dallas is tough uh, to to get a hand on just because of the protocols and stuff. Um, but we'll we'll see where they're at. There's still a lot of season left. We're only you know about approaching halfway through the season approaching. Yeah, we're getting there we're getting there yeah so, so there's still plenty of time to go and you know we we can look at past years and when we thought these teams were this good and when teams were this bad and it, you know it sounds really general and cliche but uh things change after the all-star break so you don't know and and the trade deadline too so uh, we'll see where it goes but it's crazy looking at basketball reference looking at playoff probabilities and the two best teams in the league, according to these playoff probabilities, to win their divisions, uh, Golden State, 79.7%. Cleveland, to win their division at 70%. Uh, Cleveland, to win the conference, 45.5%. Golden State, to win the conference, 43.6%. To win the finals, Golden State, 32.3%. Cleveland, 19.4%. Wow. How funny would it be if we had part five of Cleveland and Golden State? That'd Without LeBron. Funny. And that's a subject I will address next week because those rumors are flooding around this part of town and I really need to rant on that. I'll save my thoughts for the brand new year because I'm not going to bring in the new year on a negative note. You know, it's been over 25 years since the Cleveland Cavaliers have won a playoff series without LeBron James as part of their team. It had to be Mark Price, Brad Doherty, Hot Rod, yep. Williams. Yep. yep, that team. Craig Ole, Craig Elo, I bet. Yep, yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. I think that's about enough. I think that's about enough for today. We are keeping it 94. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Glad to talk to you for one last time in the year 2021. We were part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Got a lot of good other ones for you to listen to. Not, not excluding. Almost said not including. I'm like, well, no, it includes. <laughs> the dunker spot with Nikias. Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. dropping every Tuesday and Friday. The Alex Kennedy podcast with Alex Kennedy. The rematch with Atan Thomas. He just recently, recently, recently had Luol Dang on, so make sure you go listen to that. Dishes and Dimes with the ladies. 
Nothing But Bets with Evan Sidery, a daily, daily gambling podcast, uh, our newest one on basketballnews.com. And of course, got your boys right here. Keep it at 94. I am on Twitter at Spin Davies. He is on Twitter at Brian Fritz. I'm also on Instagram at Spin Davies. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Make sure to subscribe, like, comment, rate, do all those things on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. And of course, check out basketballnews.com. Do the same for the rest of our podcasts. Get this thing going for us. We're entering a new year. We've got resolutions. I don't know what they are yet, but I'm going to come up with some before the bell tolls on uh, Saturday. That's for you, about it. it's for your football team to get a uh, quarterback, and for my team, it's to have a real head coach. It's for my football team to win these two last games, win the AFC North, get into the playoffs, see what happens. We've been through our health and safety protocols, woes. Here we go. Here we go. We're getting into the playoffs. We're beating Big Ben in his last game at Heinz Field on Monday Night Football, and we're going to beat the tar out of Joe Burrow just like we did in the middle of the season. It's happening. Believe, Browns fans, believe. Even if we have a quarterback that isn't quarterbacking. It's all right. You make it happen. Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt's back. Let's go, Cleveland. Brian, what's your resolution? That the Bears will have a competent head coach uh, come 2022. And if they want a new GM, I'm all for it as well. May all acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind. We'll see you in 2022, guys.